Don't mind me, by the way. I'm just looking over at my mantelpiece with the, the Pro Wrestling Ego Tag Team Championship on it. It's it's no big deal. The, no, no, no. You, you're just a professional wrestler who's won a professional wrestling title. It's no, it's, you know, it's nothing big. It's nothing major. It's just uh, on the shelf being all gold. Um, yeah, quality you know, leather where strap. You want- you know, because you won it, the, 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 the wrestling the wrestling belt that you won, yeah. Yeah, I just make sure it's there so everyone can see it. NBD, it's all good. It's all just, you know, look at it if you want, you know. I, I, I'm not the kind of person who would talk about it all the time and make mention of it on social media or in podcasts or anything. No, no, no. Like... But very obviously you brought it up because, you know, before before we started recording, we, we, we you know, we, we just had to know. Yeah, yeah. I, I felt like everyone need like, it's, no one needs to know about it, but I felt like everyone should know about it. Uh, you, um, you should, it is you should, what it is. You should carry it around with you on the street. Maybe. Like, I, like I certainly. Un- unapologetically, because in, in the words of uh, our own Conor McGregor, the champion apologizes for fucking nothing. That is right. I am fucking not sorry. Nothing. And I have been parading around with it in my house in just my pants. So I should do that in the street. I should parade around in the local supermarket with my belt and my pants. Yeah. I think that would be, that would go down a treat. I think people would be into yeah. that. And the quite uh, homunculus head. Yeah, yeah, I'll wear the, my, my big mask of cornflakes on my head. So I've got a big cornflake head. And just get, like, a big trolley full of boxes of cornflakes. <laughs> but for some reason, I'm picturing you just, like, dressed like the Pokemon Machoke with its big, like, wrestling belt around its waist and just doing a big muscle man pose. I do look I don't like know why that. Yeah, I don't know why that's in my head, but I can't not picture that now. Yeah. You, you can't Did tell. You in, a, in just a pair of underpants and a big wrestling belt. I was, you can't I was tell because I wear a lot of padding, but when I have just got me underpants on, I look exactly like my choke. I was thinking about the cornflake homunculus, actually, and were one to cosplay that, uh, because obviously it's a real being, but were one to cosplay it and put just a mask with cornflakes inside it, do you think that would be kind of painful on their face? Um, considering how I used to do it, it's not comfortable. Like, ju- Justin made that was, one... That was my question. <laughs> yeah. Justin made one using, like, an existing basic latex mask, yeah. which we then put the cornflakes over and sealed. Oh, yeah, but originally, when I just had the idea last minute and cobbled it together, the first couple times I did it, I just... Had cling film and cornflakes. Yeah, I figured. So yeah. not only was it uncomfortable, it was pretty dangerous. Don't yeah. do this at home, kids. Do not layer out cornflakes on a sheet of clear cling film. Press your face down onto it and then wrap it round your head. And start screaming. And start screaming. Because um, <laughs> that'll just use up your air quicker. And, you know, you're going to need it. You've just wrapped cling film yes. and cornflakes around your face. And there's no sealant there. So the cornflakes mostly spilled out underneath and were on the floor, which I'm then treading on because I'm staggering around doing the cornflake homunculus bit. <laughs> um, so, yeah, yeah. Uh, if you're going to do cornflake homunculus cosplays, um, if I were you, I would get an existing latex mask cover like maybe cover it in glue throw cornflakes all over it and then get the the cling film and wrap it around that and make sure um, to leave an air hole and make sure you yes make sure you leave air holes um we've got 
We've got a big hole in the middle of the cornflake homunculus mask for to spit out cornflakes, but even then, there's not much air in there. You really underestimate how much air is not in masks when you put them on, until they're on. I say as an aficionado of many masks, some of which were made without breathing in mind. I don't know how you do it. I can't wear masks. I find them so uncomfortable and clammy and blah. I think it's just because I hate my face. Oh, okay. <laughs> I think that makes it easier. It's not that I think I'm... I, it's not like I've got some major issue with the way I look. It's just when I perform certain characters, especially when I do the wrestling stuff, I just feel better yeah. if if the face is sort of projecting something costume-wise, well, be it face paint or... A, a lot of people feel that a mask... Um, a mask breaks the boundaries of being able to be confident in, in either playing a character or even like... Uh, I remember reading an interview with um, Corey from Slipknot and he just said like it's just easier to get up there when you're in the mask because you're you're not so much necessarily a character but you are an, an extra big yes. persona of but yourself. But you better yeah. embody yeah. what you're trying yeah. to project. Yeah. There's- there's a layer of separation between yourself and the presentation you're putting out when yeah. you completely disguise your face. Your face is such an identifiable part of you. Like yeah. the most confident I've ever felt dressing up in something. It wasn't. I didn't do a mask, but I did very heavy uh, face paint. I did um, a cosplay of uh, Undyne, the fish, the blue fish character oh, yeah, from yeah, yeah. Undertale, and. Like, there's just something about completely transforming your face where suddenly it's like, I am an entirely different person. I can do anything. Yeah. The most yeah. I ever did in that regard was I went out one Halloween dressed as a, a Harajuku geisha. But um, that was like 11 years ago, and I'm not sure that would fly in today's culture. I don't think honest. that would play now. No. no, you know. I, I don't think that's, yeah. uh, that's, I was, that's super okay. On that subject, point. I was watching... Um, I've been in a... I, I was going to say I've been in a nostalgic mood, but when am I not? Because the past <laughs> is just better all of the time to to live and hide in. But um, I was in one of my many nostalgic moods over the weekend, listening to um, music from 1999 and the year 2000 and everything. I saw that. Just sort of yeah, um, and it there's a lot of Asian cultural stuff in in those music videos that would not fly now. Madonna in a full kimono thing. Um, Steps Steps did a music video Where they were all dressed up in um, Like it was set in Chinatown or something And I'm just watching these videos thinking Boy howdy Boy howdy did dressing up in traditional Asian garb Find its popularity In the um, Very early 2000s But that shit wouldn't play today Which is a bit of a shame Because that one I forget. I keep forgetting the name of the song, that Madonna song from 1999, where she is in a in like a kimono type thing, and she's in this Silent Hill esque corridor almost, and the way the camera turns and twists the corridor, it's amazing. It's a great fucking video. Is but, it from uh, the Ray of Light album? I forget. I forget. Is it nothing it, really matters. That's the one. Nothing really matters. The music that video, is, believe it or cultural not, cultural appropriation aside, is a hell of a video. Well, she was mad into her Kabbalah stuff or whatever it's called. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, believe it or not, that's one of my favorite ever albums. Oh. It's such an amazing album. But uh, anyway, she was on I, a hot streak uh, at that period. Yeah. Oh, well, she was working with William Orbit at that point, and he is a genius. 
And I think uh-huh. he really brought out the best in her. He also did. You know, do you remember that All Saints song, Pure Shores? I'm moving, I'm coming, can you hear what Oh, I'm yes, I heard that over the weekend, yes. Take me to the beach. <laughs> anyway, I saw one you were watching, and I actually can't remember if we've done this one before on the podcast, but I have to do it now, okay? I have to. Mm-hmm. Get on up when you're down. Baby, take a good look around. I know it's not much, but it's okay. Moving on anyway. When go. the rainy days are dying, every the birds and bees are <laughs> flying. Are flying. Oh. It's funny. Oh, oh, it's funny because when I was oh, a, and, a teenager and, and funny. at that time. Oh yeah, yeah. sorry. I was I just, just going to say, I just realised that that song has the exact same music as the All Saints song I was just talking about. <laughs> I'm moving, I'm coming, can you hear what I hear? It's calling you, my dear, out of reach. Get on ah. when you're down. Baby, take a good look around. Yeah, they're the same song. That's something for, for the mashups to do. Mash yeah. them up. Um, listening back to those songs now, it's funny how as a teenager there was a lot of the music back then I felt, felt I was above, that I was better than. Just, oh, five. Boy band. And then I'm like, even back then I knew on some level that I kind of liked it. And now that I've sort of embraced cheese and don't really care about Mm. campy, tragic shit in culture. um, It's a really good song, actually, that five one. It's got a nice tune to it. A lot of them do. Um, There are still some from that time that are still fucking classic. Fucking Shania Twain back then. Her songs uh, were brilliant. Feel like a woman, don't impress me much. Don't impress me much. Yeah. Um, Great stuff. The guy who who produced that album is the same guy who did Hysteria by Def Leppard, believe it or not. Yeah. Mutt Lang. It's it's funny because I provide the contextless, pointless, navel-gazing nostalgia. And you bring content, Kev. That's why our... Popular music discussions are always so good. <laughs> yeah. Gav's music podcast. Here we go again. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, yeah, there's like a playlist of like six to seven hundred songs for every year you could think of. Even, yeah. And, and specified to country, so it can be like 1999 UK top hits. Mm. 700 odd songs there's in so, there. The 90s had some fantastic pop music. Like most most of the Spice Girls singles were great. They genuinely were quite good. Very catchy at the very least. I tell you what, Ben hasn't aged though. Fucking Venga Boys. What the Venga the Venga bus is coming now? Do you not want to get on the Venga bus, Jim? I've heard about the Venga bus thirty times in one song. I don't want to get on the Venga bus. Jim, the Venga bus is coming though. Whether you like it or not, it's coming. I don't want to go. What will you do when the Venga bus arrives? Find another the only, bus. The only boy band stuff that used to drive drive me really cracked was the really sappy stuff, like Westlife's. Uh, Westlife's awful. Ballads. Still. They, I couldn't stand them. And then when they tried to go all uh, 
they did all the Frank Sinatra covers and stuff. Mm. That was like the final straw. I had a bit of a soft spot for a bit of Westlife. I had terrible taste in music. Classmate in college claimed that she had a cousin who was in Westlife. She didn't. (laughs) She didn't. Um, Yeah, Westlife's still awful. I was... I watched the old music video for uh, What's His Face, Living La Vida Loca. Is it oh, Ricky. Ricky Martin? Ricky is in the... Uh, Ricky? Ricky Martin is in the TV show at the moment that's about the murder of Gianni Versace. Oh, um, I've heard that's very good. Yeah, and he's very good in it. And actually, I was just thinking about that a minute ago as well when you mentioned the cornflake homunculus because the murderer in it has this fetish where he like suffocates people and like leaves them there and just at the last second he punctures a hole in their the mouth and uh, uh. lets them breathe and i was like that's very cornflake homunculus-esque <laughs> certainly what happens if you make masks the way i make them yeah. at home um yeah but, um, yeah yeah but Ricky, i was furious Ricky's good in that i was furious at the music video for live and la vida loca yeah. No problem with the song. The music video is the most generic, mediocre shit. Really? And I, I just, I just remember these... there being loads of like really sexy women dancing in the That's rain. That's the point. It's just loads of dancing. That's all the video is. And, and by the end fair, of it, Ricky's, it's like there's Ricky's, nothing happening. Uh, Ricky's pretty damn sexy in that video too. I don't think it needed anything except That's him, him and the ladies was... looking good. <laughs> That's all it was hinging on. But that you, mm-hmm. if you watch a massive playlist like I do, you start to realise how many music videos are just to that oh, and yeah. how pointless it all is and how expensive they must have been. Like the, the Live and La Vida music video, Live mm. and La Vida Loca music video, looks so expensive. Yeah. For what ends, ultimately? There was a, the, I, I used to love the music era, um, videos in that era, the late 90s, early 2000s, because they were really oversaturated and they were, uh, they were kind of very soft cell looking. And, yeah. and they had that really bright color. They all had really bright, heavy contrast color schemes, and they looked great. Lots of minimalist background design yeah. in those days, like a texture or a shape, mm. or sometimes just plain white you, and grey. Because it was that minimalist future like, forward thing. Yeah, because you still had to show them on tiny little square TVs. Yeah, that is yeah. true. Uh, but yeah, you know, with the whole Millennium thing coming up, there's a lot of future forward stuff. So lots of wild costumes and. Strange sci-fi esque sets going on all the time. Oh god! Uh, very, yeah, the back, very good the Backstreet stuff. Boys videos were amazing. <laughs> oh, I was like, rewatching the uh, lar- is it larger than life or la- something? The one where the they're all in robot one, yeah. suits and, yeah, and yeah. stuff. And I was watching it, thinking, you know what? I want to do a video game where the bosses are based on each Backstreet Boy in their thing. Like, you've got one of them in a purple suit with, like, Dr. Octopus tentacles coming out, yeah. one with an army of yellow dancing robots behind him, one in, a like, a laser blaster. And I'm like, I want a game, an action game, where the bosses are based on each of these, but we don't explicitly say it in the game. So as you're playing it, you get to, like, boss three, and it's some dude in a yellow suit with these dancing yellow robots, and you're like... Am I playing on the, the spaceship from the Backstreet Boys music video or not? Okay, That's one, my dream. One, one more. Just one more. Go for oh, it. Oh, you people, can't you see, can't you see How your love's affecting our reality Every time we're wrong, you can make it right And wait, wait. Oh, yeah, here we go. And that makes you larger Brilliant. 
and now we have officially done, I'm pretty sure, more songs than Gavin has <laughs> ever, ever done, done on the Podquisition before. <laughs> and that brings us to about 15 minutes into the podcast. That's so about a should, good time for video Should we wrap up the music yeah. and do the video games? <laughs> no, this let's is the end of music. our musical show. <laughs> here, here, here I am on, on, on the ship grabbing the steering wheel. Can I... Uh... Just trying to avoid the iceberg. Lovely day, lovely day, lovely day. Jim, I have to say I laughed out loud when you said we're not going to do that in this week's video. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. That was a very funny gag. I liked it. I was quite pleased with it. I know it's not much, but it's okay. (laughs) <laughs> make it anyway. <laughs> so, Laura, hello, Laura, video games keep, keep, Laura, keep us moving on anyway. <laughs> I, I'm trying to, to rest control of this ship the problem and pull is, us back into orbit. The problem is, is you're pausing and giving us room, and yeah. really, you've got to don't stop moving. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> oh, so everyone, pod position. I'm Laura. One of them's Jim. One's Gab. I'm doing the introductions to make sure we get there today. Who's been playing what? It's a direct question about video games. <laughs> so forceful today. <laughs> I just, I have that kind of energy today. Ah, I like it. It's, 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 it's pinging. It's electric. I, I, I love Music Corner, but are you both going to behave and talk about video You're games? Being a good yeah. boy yeah. now, talk about video games. Um, what do we, I mean, to be honest, considering so, Anthem's so, going to be a hot topic this week, I'd rather talk music. Yeah, so, yeah, so Far Cry New Dawn, it. it has Deantward in it. It does, it does. It, a lot. No, you're taking time. it back to music I, uh, corner. I see what you're doing, Gav. <laughs> Ubisoft always, I have to say, picks uh, okay. fucking fantastic music in, in their games. How, how about this? How about this, both of yeah. you? I will make one concession and we will do a transitionary topic that is video games, but also music. Just to, okay. just to wean you Ease off. Ease us in. Yeah. Yeah. Like yeah. Ease you in. Yeah. Uh, Gavin, yeah. do you want to talk about uh, Jeremy Soul? Oh, yeah. Mm. Yeah, that's 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 a transitionary topic, maybe. That's that okay. That's a topic that I thought should have been a big news story that people were talking about a lot more. So, at the moment, it's only based on kind of guesswork. But uh, Jeremy Soul put out a Facebook post and said that, and he has not been asked back to score the next Elder Scrolls. And for those who don't know, Jeremy Soul is the composer of all the Elder Scrolls games, and he is an absolute master of his craft. Um, and, and his music is basically, as I call it, it's, it's the life and the heart behind those games, and they would not be the same without it. In fact, when they showed that teaser trailer, the first thing I thought was that the music sounded noticeably inferior to the other Elder Scrolls music I've heard. Yeah, like, it's it's no guarantee. Like, the fact that Jeremy Soule has not been currently asked back to do music on, on that game, on, on the next Elder Scrolls, doesn't necessarily mean he won't ultimately be doing it. No, it, but... It could... But it, it's not a good <coughs> sign, because no, normally, it... who, 
whoever's going to be doing the music for the game as a whole will probably be contacted before the initial reveal to say, look, yeah. we want to have a, 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 a piece of music for the announcement that's going to set the tone of what oh. the sound of that game is going to be. If you're going to do most of the music, you're going to do that that well, opening piece of music. Oh. If he was not contacted <laughs> to do that teaser bit of music, it's not a good sign. Yeah, and there's a very important point to add to this, is that his music has been used to inspire the team in the other games. It, the music was like the first thing they did for Skyrim. Yeah. You know? It, um, I have a feeling Inonzur is going to be doing it instead because I know Jeremy Saul had a little bit of a barmy with Bethesda last year regarding the live concerts um, because he wasn't told about them and he was a little pissed off because he was saying it was obviously transcribed and when that happens it's not completely accurate and he would have liked to have been involved which, you know, I understand yeah. from his point of view Yeah, um, but publishers don't want creatives with autonomy Yeah, yeah. It's the same sort of situation as, like, I can understand why these people get annoyed. It reminded me a lot of uh, David Hayter not being asked back for MGS5. It's that sort of, yeah, you don't need to bring me back, but a conversation before you, like, announced this thing and, like, replaced my role wouldn't have hurt would have been very appreciated. Yeah. yeah. And and I feel like... Um... Like, Inon Zur is an amazing composer as well, and he's done the music for Fallout 4, and he's also apparently done the music for this new Blades thing they have coming out, the Elder Scrolls Blades. Oh, yeah. So if I were to hazard a guess, I would say that's where the next Elder Scrolls is going. And with all respect to Inon Zur, I think he's a fantastic composer. Uh, I just I feel like the Elder Scrolls' heart is in... Um, Jeremy Soule's music, you know, and I feel like it's really going to be missing a part of its, its no pun intended, a, a part of its soul if it doesn't have him, you know. Very disappointing oh, if true. Okay. Yeah. Well, let me swear it again. I will bring it all back to video games because my love <laughs> is your love. Chocolate uh, salty balls. I, I was so... I... I, I we, uh, that, uh, I almost got you there. We got some video game chat in before the twenty-minute mark. Uh, I think we did all right. Uh, do, yeah. you, do you have any other ninety songs you'd like to reference before I throw more video games at I'm you? I'm just saying, don't come complaining to me, folks. You get what you give. <laughs> so, anthem. I finally put some time into that this week. Oh yeah. Uh... You know what I think about uh... that game? I look at Bioware and I go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What's going on? <laughs> yeah, I started playing it and I, I I put like five hours in and right now my whole thought is like, A, this is not what I want from Bioware. The story is clearly an afterthought. You, you, you guys are totally right about the whole just weird lore dumps that are just to, to, to reference things that you don't know what who, are to give a falsely inflated sense of like yeah. scope to the world. Who are all these like, fancy if, names you're shouting at me? Yeah, if if we shout a fancy name, that that means that the world exists outside of what you've seen. It's a bigger world. Like, there's more story than you know about. And yeah. it's like, no, that's not actually giving me a story. I drew an analogy to Masters of the Universe in my Jim Impressions video on Anthem. Um, the original Masters of the Universe, the old cartoon, yeah, <laughs> all that stuff, had a, a, a show bible yeah. written. A bunch of backstory about 
who Skeletor was before his face went all funny, about King Randall, like all of these characters crashing he on Eternia from off a with spaceship. Acid, didn't he? Um I know that was in the 2002 He-Man show. That's that's what um, Grumpy Skeletor on Twitter, which, by the way, is the greatest Twitter account in the world, says. Um, but yeah, yeah, his original name being Keldor, if I remember correctly. But anyway, there's all of this backstory and lore and, and reasons for being and who these characters are and were. Does anyone know about that? No. They remember a show in which a heavily tanned man punched a skeleton in the face because that, folks is what was in the show. You can write the fucking Da Vinci Code to back up He-Man, but if what people see is the tanned man punching the Skellington, that's what the show is. So Anthem can have all of the lore in the world. It's got an entire encyclopedia in there you can read, but when you're actually playing the game, all you hear is gibberish. So that's what the game is. It's gibberish, and it's better best forgotten. Imagine if Lord of the Rings started in Mordor and went from there. That's yeah. kind of what a lot of games are doing nowadays. Yeah, well, I mean, they. I don't know if this can be traced back to Dark Souls or if it can just be traced to general AAA laziness, but the confusion between lore and story, which I think we talked about last week, it's it's written on fucking Anthem's face. And the fact it comes from Bioware makes it all the more stark, you know, uh, because people have come to expect actual storytelling from Bioware, not lore references. That's what these game plots are now. They're not stories, they're reference sheets. Hmm. Yeah. So, so Laura, I, what, what, what more did you think about Anthem? Yeah, the, I, the experience of actually playing it, like, I think the big thing for me is just... I want a game where I feel like I can play through all of the content once and play through to the end of the content and go, I feel like I've not only finished this, but that the game doesn't expect me to keep playing it once I've finished it. And that's definitely not what this is. Like, this is this is a Destiny type game. This is, we want you to play the same level again and again and again and again and get better loot and do it again and get better loot and do it again and get better loot. And I feel like the the intention is that you'll play with real-life friends over voice chat and that the discussions and social experiences you will have while you happen to be playing it will sort of get conflated with the experience and you'll be like, oh yeah, no, this game was a really good time when you talking to your friends while you played it was probably the good time. Mm, that that's that happened kind of... also with Destiny, actually, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's kind of how I feel about this. Mm. It's like, if you use that as something to do that brings you together to spend time with your friends, it's probably mm. going to be a great time. At if, le- like me, it's just a case of, I will find time when I have time to play a video game, and that probably won't be the same time as other people, and mm. I will probably just be focusing on the video game by itself, not anyone else and it's just not for me at least destiny and more even so destiny 2 had like a 15 hour campaign with kind of set pieces and things to differentiate up the the levels and anthem is is just two missions over and over and over you know protect the the spot and collect the orbs yeah, and, and follow the, the flashing when, thing to find the point on the map. When Destiny's campaign feels more varied and progressive 
Yeah. You like, know you haven't learned lessons from other games. That, you know. I, I, I know that we said this last week. It's not a badly made game. It's no. polished. It runs well. It looks good. It feel. I, I think it feels responsive to play. It just. If there was, a, if there was like, a Mass Effect game with those controls, I'd be like, yeah. give me that. Yeah, no. Give, if you took this engine, these controls, these environments, these character designs, this world, and gave me a single-player story, I'd be raving about this game right now. Mm. And that feels very weird to say. It's, if I was playing with this exact set of mechanics and bits of media and uh, like assets... If I was playing this and I had some direction, if I felt like I was doing new things, working towards some specific goal, had something pushing me forward, I'd love it. As it is, I just feel really aimless while playing it. Yeah. I yeah. I, I didn't I didn't get near five hours played. I got bored quicker than that, unfortunately. I spent a lot of my Saturday with it. It ruined my Saturday. I um I did legit, I think I said it in my video as well, I legit said out loud, I can't keep doing this, and then turned it off. I, I Even playing just enough to capture footage by the end of it, I didn't capture as much B-roll as I planned to, because I, it's, it's offensively boring to me. It's not just mediocre, it's mundane on a level that offends me, <laughs> insults my very senses. It's such a nothing game, and and everything about it is so painfully generic. Uh, the aliens are so archetypal and dull. I mean, really, we we're going with fucking destiny style, vaguely humanoid, featureless things because they're all covered in shit and starship trooper insects. It's so uninspired. The guns are all just standard, bullshit, bog standard, factory standard. Uh, third-person shooter guns, the 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 yeah the gun the guns are insanely boring. Even yeah, vi yeah. visually, there's nothing to. Far Cry New Dawn has more interesting guns to earn. Yeah, and the um I, I, I keep blanking on their names javelins, um which I find funny because in the game there's a character that mocks um the word skewer and says if we called the our stupid robot suit skewers. That wouldn't be very memorable. I'm like, I remember the word skewer, and I remember that conversation more than I remember the word javelin. That's just a made-up name they uh, pulled out of their ass because no, javelin no. hadn't been copyrighted. A good, javelin's no, a good no. word with Anthem, though, because I just want to throw it across the room into the bin. <laughs> <laughs> I, I just wanted to point out, you mentioned the word skewer, and the second you did that, the word javelin left my head, and I spent a good ten seconds going... Wait, what is the actual name of them? What's the real name of right? them? It's gone. Because as soon as you say skewer, I'm like, oh, that evokes like you know piercing action. Like it, it, it gave me an image, and suddenly javelin was gone. Yeah. Like, I would say this: if there's a professional wrestler who wanted to look up to say a tag team champion who also happened to know all the best hits of the 90s, uh, they could ask me what would be a good ring name that hasn't been taken, and I'd be, and if they said. What would you think if I called myself the skewer? I would say run with it. I would say run with that. That's that's a name that makes me think unpleasant things are going to be done by you to your opponent. If he, if he said I want to be called Johnny Javelin, I'd say fuck off. Uh, but anyway, uh, the point is, is the javelins themselves look like 
someone tried to make a Warframe style Tenno, but had no imagination. So it's this like dreary mishmash somewhere between a Destiny Guardian and a Warframe Tenno. The Anthem Javelin is somewhere in the middle, which is exactly where Anthem resides forever. It's just somewhere in the middle being so dull. Nothing about it visually, uh, orally, um, mechanically speaks to me at all. And I think that's by design with a lot of these games now. I think, um, I, I said this on the Jimquisition this week, um, Anthem and Fallout 76 are suffering the exact same problems. Uh, Anthem may be a better game, like better put together game, but they are still games that released with a void of content that we all filled with controversies and mockery yeah. because there was nothing else for us to latch onto. There was nothing else that could spark the public imagination except the shit show mm. around the games. It's, and they, they do that on purpose because they have these roadmaps now. Get the game out now. Get people spending now. And we'll think of some content later because they got away with it when they pre-ordered. They had pre-ordered DLC with the season pass. Like, people buy season passes. We could sell them whole games with nothing but a promise now. They're both just really good examples of series that thrived where, or, or like companies that thrived by making single-player, story-driven, like big narrative things where you go through and there's an endpoint and it's a single packaged experience and then both of them at around the same time went you know what what if we just didn't have any of the things that people like about our games in that and just had them as a way to sell money and it didn't work out well for either of them yeah yeah i mean that's the other stark thing with it with anthem and fallout 76 is they're both games from studios who are known for certain things, lacking the things those studios are known yeah. for, and, and not replaced and with anything. Things, lacking even the thing in both those games, lacking the things that people like about that style of game. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, on a side note, like because Beth Bethesda has sort of come up there because you've mentioned Fallout seventy six. Mm. Uh, did either of you see the uh, the? the Amazon store page that got put up by Bethesda for like a couple of hours. Yeah. And I have to say, Laura, I hate that it's gotten to a point where I saw that and immediately thought, Oh, it'll probably be some shit spinoff. I, you know what my gut says about this? I reckon we are getting, you know, for a long time, we've like, everyone's been asking, where's the, the remaster of like, you know, Fallout 3, New Vegas, etc. Yeah. Like, when are we getting those repackaged and put out again? Yeah. I would honestly put money on, like, Bethesda has gone, oh shit, Fallout 76 is such a shit show. Mm. What can we quickly do to get some goodwill back? Let's go into our vault, pick whatever we think is going to be the most popular remaster and put that out ASAP. Like, I, I honestly think we are getting a remaster of a popular Fallout, like, sooner than later. As a it would be one of the smartest... It'd be one of the smartest moves they can do. Low investment, yeah. high praise and potential reward for them. Yeah. Um, a lot um, cheaper, of course, to just remaster something and shove it out there. Yeah, so very, very, like, quick summary for anyone who didn't see this, because it did get taken down. Um, a store page went up, it was... Bethesda, it was just a generic holding page for a Bethesda game with a, 
a $60 price tag and a like December 31st end of this year date. So it's clearly placeholder information. Hmm. The reason why people paid attention to it is there is a video that appears to be a new asset that Bethesda haven't put out before. It's literally just the, the Fallout like countdown um, sort of screen. It definitely looked very Fallout and it was just a countdown. Fallout. The reason I paid attention yeah. to it was they were offering a pre-order for something that simply wasn't there. And that's yeah. where we're at now. Pre-order placeholders. Yeah. We'll we'll fill in but a game later. It it looks like that it's something Fallout related and considering it's coming to like it, it's coming to whatever it is, it's coming to PS4 or Xbox One, it's getting a collector's edition. I Fallout I would Shelter put money two. on a on a remaster <laughs> that they sell some tat with. If if it's Fallout Three in New Vegas, I'll be I'll be happy with that. I mean, those yeah. are two of my favorite games, and I'd like I, to play them all remastered. So it it's it's the same reason that I wouldn't be surprised if six months from now we hear Bioware remastering something popular from their back catalogue. It's yeah. the oops, we did a big fuck up. What do we have that people already like that we can sell them again to kind of recover both some money and our image a bit? Yeah, basically, it's them saying. Oops, I did it again. They're <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, saying, so, please uh, forgive me. No, yeah. not what I do. They're saying, S Club. There ain't no <laughs> party like an S Club party. Gonna show saying, you how. Yeah. They're saying, you found yourself, so don't fade out. <laughs> Life is a roller coaster, you just gotta ride it. Basically, Bethesda's Amazon page is exactly them saying, You say it best when you say nothing at all. See, the, the reason I love podcasting with both of you is that, that uh, nothing compares to you. Oh. oh. Oh, nice one. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I forgot to look at what's next on the topic list now because I had to stop to look at fucking 90s song names. This is what you've you've dragged me down to. Um, Reggie fils is retiring from Nintendo. Um, that was yes. some sad news. Good that's, night, Beef Burger Prince. Yeah, like, it's a thing that I, you know, shouldn't care about. It's a corporate executive who I have never really, like, I met in passing at E 3 once. Like, it's the kind of thing where I should just be like, ah, corporate executive gets to go live his, his life of very big pension, probably. But I kind of care about this one. Like, I think just because he's been the face of Nintendo since, like, since I was in my early teens and, like, first really getting into the idea that video games were a thing and that, like, you could find out about them before they were out. Mm. It's just been, like, a weirdly comforting face and he's never felt like... He just doesn't give off the energy of a shitty corporate no, and person. He's a, he's a very likeable guy and he every time yeah. he speaks, he spawns a meme. Yeah, yeah he, he just... There's something about him that feels kind of sweet and sincere, even if he stole my fucking 3DS, Reggie. <laughs> and, and all your amiibos. And all my oh, amiibos. Yeah. Back in episode see, this, one this of is, Podquisition. Yeah, this is the real crime, is that he's retiring before I can, like, you know, get an interview with him to sit him down and go, where the fuck's my stuff? <laughs> Did, uh, have you ever heard Jonathan's uh, Purple Pikmin story? 
I don't know if I have. Uh, there's, he, he tells it better, but he's not here right now. He's on another podcast called Boston's Favourite Son that you can uh, download oh. episode zero of right now. Um, look it up, Boston's Favourite Son. This is just Jonathan. Just, just Jonathan, Jonathan off Road Rules. Uh, yeah, he was yeah. on Road Rules Season 5 Northern Trail. But he has this great Reggie story where he... Um, he was at some event and he had a purple Pikmin stuffed toy. And apparently Reggie Feasley saw it, pointed at him, grinned and went, I am a purple Pikmin! And then just walked <laughs> off. Uh, well. That's what he does. That's what he's going to do now that he's retired. He's going to walk around and every time he sees someone with like Nintendo merch, he'll like say stuff like that to them. Yeah. I, I like to think that he's just going to... He just went home and thought... Thank Christ, I don't have to deal with gamers anymore. I'm going to have a sit down. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm not being sad about it myself because executives are executives. Yeah. I'm not saying he was an arsehole. He was... Nintendo have, at the very least, cultivated an image. I don't know how genuine it is, but I won't say it's disingenuous until you know we see proof of Reggie having kicked a puppy at some point, but they've they've got this image of, of executives who are not assholes, and some of that's born from the fact that people like you know Shigeru Miyamoto's on the board of Nintendo, people with actual history of game development. Reggie didn't have that, but he seemed to fit into that environment very well, very yeah. easygoing. Still talk bullshit like any executive, but oh, it yeah, was no, bullshit like... spoken to on. On the, on the level of the public, it wasn't just for shareholders. Like, yeah. That's what these Nintendo Directs were for. It was being a lot more open and upfront. And that's why Nintendo's gotten away with things like game delays um, before. Yeah. Unlike other companies where people get pissed off at a game delay, Nintendo have always been very upfront. We'll get a big wig to just say upfront. In, sometimes in a video like they did with the Metroid thing recently, we will explain to you why it's delayed, um, why this is good for the game. And they don't hide it. And I think that's part of what makes their executives yeah. come across more like kindly old grandfathers rather than executives. Yeah, like, you, you think about Reggie, like, his history is he was, like, the big face of Pizza Hut for decades before Nintendo. Like, he's not here because it's video games. He's here because, like, being this kind of very good public face for a company is the thing that he's good at. But, like, yeah... You could there tell is... they were having fun with it, like Reggie yeah. and Iwata and Guy. Like, because you, you can't imagine Bobby Kotick doing things like it... some of the stunts they did with like the, the Smash 3DS with Reggie doing that laugh that oh, became a GIF. Yeah. And it, it, he always had a, an air of sincerity that, like, I, I, like sadness isn't the right word, but I think I will definitely miss a, um, an American. English language, uh, primary language speaker, he like face of a company who feels sincere, feels like he can have a laugh, like that's a thing we like having a, 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 a like a CEO or a face of a company who I don't see and just want to punch. Yeah, it's yeah. A rarity, and I'll miss that in this <laughs> he industry. He was he was normal, and that's something that makes a lot of Nintendo executives, ironically, stand out. Is they seem like normal human beings. They yeah. don't. They're not like a like fucking Android Wilson at EA or Bobby Kotick, the fucking rubber devil. I love that story about how Bobby Kotick can't get a date because people Google him and see him with <laughs> devil horns everywhere. Oh, yeah. The worst thing that happens <laughs> in your life is 
oh no, sometimes people see devil horns on me on the internet. Your yeah, life's gone all right if that's the yeah, worst may, thing they oh, see yeah. when they Google stop image search. Acting you. like the devil, then you know. I'm sure he <laughs> I, cries I, into his near thirty yeah. million dollar salary. Mm. Yeah, no, like people have made mean images of me that show up on Google images sometimes. I don't have billions of dollars to soften the blow, and I'm all right. <laughs> uh, Draw more devil horns on Bobby Kotick. Draw all of the devil horns on all of the Bobby Kotick all of the time. Yeah. Yeah, because well, yeah, when I googled it, it was only like the twelfth one down. We need you yeah. need to get on that. He's the forty-fifth most overpaid executive in America. Ho- hopefully, now that <laughs> Reggie has you know retired and gone off to his you know have more time with his family, hopefully he'll spend the next few years living la vida loca. Hey. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> oh dear! You heard about that though. Bobby Kotick, 45th most overpaid CEO in America. Yeah, Andrew Wilson, 98th, I believe. It he didn't surprise me in the slightest. 300 times more is his salary than the average Activision employee. Wow. Yeah. No one should be earning 300 times more than their employees. That's ridiculous. That's actually oh. vile. Like, yeah. I actually find that so I, uh, completely I reprehensible. I expect to earn like, more than you know, their employees. Yeah. But that is almost like a parody of that concept. I'm I'm going to repeat what I said previously. Uh, capitalism is fucked and CEOs are in many cases immoral with the sheerly ludicrous like amounts of money that they hoard and just steal from the economy while people starve to death. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, and, and capitalism let, is fucked. Let's not forget, like, Kotick draws his... Um, off the top of my head, I want to say twenty-eight million something dollars. It's around that area, around the thirty million dollar mark. He draws that salary to say nothing of whatever bonuses and stock options and everything might be, and then on top of that, to say nothing of things like him being on the board of Coca-Cola. Uh, the amount he could draw no salary whatsoever from Activision and be rich, not just fine, still be mega rich, and yet. Rather than forego any of that money, it's 800 employees who are now looking for jobs and in competition with 799 more people and all of the other companies that have had layoffs, like EA in Australia, the Fire Monkeys recently, ArenaNet hours before the news of the EA layoffs, just filling the, the job market with hundreds of people who are all competing for the same work. Um, and, and won't find it till there's another boom period yeah. and these game companies swallow them all up again and then jettison them later. And that's all, that, that's the system. Yeah. That's triple capitalism working as intended. Oh. oh, other fun stories this week. Uh, you know that, that PS4 game, Dreams, that we still don't quite know what is? Dreams can come true. Look at me, babe, I'm here with you. You know you, you got, got to, to have, have them. them. You know you got, got to, to be, be strong. strong. So that, yeah, yeah, that game. That, that that one, that one. Um, so that that game that was is gonna come out at some point, maybe someday. Who knows? Um, we now know a little bit about the first time that people will be able to pay money for it. Um, it's gonna be a kind of early access game, sort <sighs> of on PS4. Let me get into this, because it's weird. All um, modern video games yeah. release now are early fucking access uh, games. So, so he- here is the basic story. Um, at some point in the spring, we don't know when, 
a very limited number of people. We don't know how they'll be selected. Maybe it'll be first come, first serve. Maybe it'll be a raffle like they did for beta codes <sighs> for the game. Uh, somehow, a very limited number of people will be permitted to pay full price for the game uh, while only the creator mode exists, and even that won't have all the content in it yet. Uh, and basically what they want these people to do is buy just the creator mode, upload their creations, and just kind of make content for this game. They, they, they won't be able to pay for the privilege to make content for this they're, game. They're so paying an it... entry fee to populate the oh, game with yeah, content. No, this, this is exactly it. So that when it has populated enough user-generated content, then they can make uh, like release it to the public. And all of this just screams to me, and correct me if my assumption seems like a jump, but it sounds like Dreams itself has no content. It, it sounds like they're that terrified sounds... that people will buy Dreams and go, oh shit, there's nothing to do. So they're selling it to people to make content so that there's enough for people to play when it's it what launches. It sounds that like. sounds like That's very sounds um, like. legally very dodgy. Yeah. Yeah. It's... It sounds Thunder like they've created an interesting... when it's raining. <laughs> it, I think... It sounds like they've created a creation tool, and undoubtedly one that probably is very good, but then gone, oh shit, we need to get it out the door, and we don't have time to make stuff with it? Yeah, this this doesn't seem like this game's going to go well. Because you know what? Mario Maker, the vast majority of the fun of that came from, or at least the content comes from other people uploading. Yeah, It also has Mario to leverage it. Yeah, and then also, like at the very least, like, uh, the 3DS release had a hundred Mario levels made by Nintendo. Oh yeah, yeah, it had stuff too. Like, but yeah, which is like more Mario content than you normally get in a Mario game. Like there's yeah. a full Mario game's worth of content in there, plus the user generated. That's stuff. it. If it, it's to the point where if it was just the user generated stuff, people would still love it because it's Mario and they'd want to play what other people yeah. are making. What's Dreams' leverage here? What makes me, as someone who doesn't really care for it right now? But someone who liked Mario Maker and yeah. Little Big Planet, which stood out because of the Sackboy was a, a good, great selling mascot, and there was plenty of stuff in the game already. Um, so I'm here. I'm I'm looking at Dreams, and I'm like, well, what's it leveraging here um, for me as someone to buy it? Like, if so, I'm just interested in playing it, not making it, what are the characters? Yeah. What what what's it doing differently? That that's what I'm asking. And Dreams seems to be telling me nothing. Well, see, here's the thing: is I was excited for Dreams mainly because I wanted to see what the Media Molecule created content was because there's a lot of interesting character designs they've shown off repeatedly again and again in trailers. There's this old man with the piano, there's this sort of pink bear thing, and I keep being like, okay, do you have like a, a sweet story-driven thing with this old man that's going to make me do a cry, or do you have some fun action game with a, this pink bear's maybe going to hold a knife and it's going to be slightly... Like, I, I'm looking for, like, okay, what are you going to do with these characters that you keep showing us? And it sounds like maybe they're worried that whatever they've done with that isn't enough. Um, I'm still kind of excited for Dreams. Like, there was a beta. It was a closed beta. Everyone had to sign NDAs, so we're not supposed to know what people made in the beta, but, like, videos popped up and got taken down later. Uh, someone made a one-to-one -one accurate recreation of PT using these tools 
that was impressive. I watched a video of that and was like, that's really damn cool. That game that can't be archived properly, someone has made an incredibly good playable recreation that can live on the PS4. That's really cool. I'm sure there will be interesting stuff in there, but this is a warning sign to me that this game is going to be perhaps more reliant on user-generated content than I would like, because I'm like, just, I want to see stuff made, I want to play stuff that game designers who professionally make games made. That's what I want. Yeah. I, yeah. Well, as, that's as it. You, you start releasing... Oh, sorry, yeah. You start releasing things like this, and you, you start asking the question, what do we need the game developers for? And there, there is an obvious answer, because they yeah, make yeah. fucking games, but the message a thing like this sends out is not a great one. Well, and I know it's not intentional, but it really is. It's like, it's, it's similar to the argument people have in favour of Sea of Thieves and games like that. Where it's like, well, it's a lot more fun if you make your own fun with friends. And I'm like, well, at that point, what do we need a game for? I, yeah. can, I can buy a sandpit and, and put a hat on and play Pirates. As, as much as I love well-made, user-generated content, and there will be some gems, I am sure... The reality is that most people who make content for Dreams will not be making content to the level that someone who is a professional game developer for a living will make. And, yeah. like, because then you start getting into questions of, like, how do you find, like, what's the curation like? How do you find the stuff that is, like, game developer caliber in, in amongst the user-generated content? I'm sure they'll yeah, have some kind of voting system. Or... They, they will, but like, if you look at, say, Mario Maker as an example, as great as some of the content in Mario Maker was, um, if you look at its like voting system and just looked at top rated, the vast majority of stuff that got rated to the top was not very well-made Mario levels that are just a, no gimmick, just a very good Mario level. They got buried underneath I made a Rube Goldberg machine and it was very impressive and you can start it and watch it play out and that's impressive jokes and meme levels will always rise to the top yeah it's it's easier to go haha here's that level that blank and has a selling point than just oh yeah that was a very good Mario level like that will never rise to the top and I worry yeah. that this is maybe this is a problem I always ha have when user-generated content is used. And I'm not saying this is definitely the case with Dreams, but it feels like it's being used in place of more developer content. I'm sensing nothing from Dreams. No major interest. I, no major build towards it. I, I want to see what it's like to play in VR. I want to mess around with creation tools in VR because there's... Other than stuff like Tilt Brush, which is like a painting in 3D space tool, there's not many great tools for creating, like, sculpting things in VR. I'm intrigued by that. But mm, yeah. I'm just, I'm kind... This news has me kind of concerned. And maybe... Yeah, and maybe I'm, I'm, I'm just not high on... I'm not super high on Media Molecule, if I'm honest. Yeah. The first Little Big Planet was very, very good, but it was a one-game idea. And then they tried to make two more and of lowering quality each time. And all my dreams, it's never quite as it seems. Because well, you're a dream to me. Media Molecule are 
they've made really interesting stuff. The original Little Big Planet, Tearaway. Tearaway, I still maintain, was like a really fascinating well, little Tearaway game, like, was quite good. It's a real shame that Tearaway like didn't get more more spotlight than it got. Like it was flawed, but it was Media Molecule make creative stuff, and I think a creative tool set is probably the best thing they could give people. But yeah, we'll see. Um uh, a couple of other quick bits that happened this week. Um, a bunch of Pokemon YouTubers got got momentarily banned and had to fight to get their YouTube accounts back because um, they were they were banned, mistakenly believing to be, have been involved in child pornography. Uh, it's it's literally as simple as Pokemon Go has a thing called combat points that are usually shortened down to CP. Oh. So Pokemon YouTubers were mentioning CP. CP can also be an acronym for child porn. And YouTube went, you mentioned CP. Off YouTube. Goodbye account. It's almost like the algorithms aren't up to the task of the job that yeah. needs doing, isn't it? It's almost. It's YouTube almost just like keeps... algorithms don't understand context. YouTube keeps p- p- like picking the worst possible solutions to all their problems. Yeah. 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 Well, the new one, demonetizing channels because of the comment sections. Um, yeah, as, as people have said, if you can get a channel demonetized by posting bad comments on it deliberately, this is going to ruin everything. Like, people the internet go, itself I don't like is you, fucked. I'll post nasty comments. Yeah, and they've already, there, there are some trolls out there who have been celebrating the, the potential to do that. I don't know what goes on there. Uh, these companies, I think it really is. They don't consider the negatives. They only care about what can we make a machine do to remove our own responsibility? Because YouTube mm. doesn't want to be legally responsible for anything on its own service. So it's like, let's yeah. make robots to deal with it. And it, it's not working. It makes more work for them in the long run. Valve's yeah. had to learn this. Well, it should be learning this, but hasn't. Uh, it's like an art of laziness yeah. where you exert more effort to just not do the thing you could simply do. Yeah. That's a special kind of lazy, the kind of lazy that takes more effort than just doing the thing. Yeah. Um, additionally, did either of you hear about this terrible Fortnite event, unlicensed Fortnite event that happened in the UK? <laughs> oh, a little oh, bit, yeah. No. Oh, oh it's a beautiful shit show. So basically, some people who are nothing to do with Epic... Um, set up a Fortnite, Fortnite festival in, in inverted commas and basically convinced a bunch of parents to spend money to take their kids to this thing. And it was like, here is a caravan that is dark inside. That's a cave. I think there's caves in Fortnite. Uh, you paid an entry fee already, but like, do you want to pay some extra money to play Fortnite? A thing that you could do at home, but you can do it here. Um, we'll paint your face a bit like a Fortnite skin maybe yeah this is um, it's yeah. school fate level oh no like school fates at least usually have like stuff that is bad enough you can have a laugh and you don't get oh they normally have thing. yeah you, you throw a wet sponge a... at your favorite yeah. teacher for 50p yeah. and you're not getting charged to enter to do that you only pay to do the thing that looks good at the time yeah um so this did not go over well, understandably. Uh, a lot of parents were like, oh God, what the what the hell have we done here? Lots of disappointed kids. And then Monday rolls around and Epic goes, 
yeah, yeah, you didn't, you didn't have permission to do that, and you made us look bad. Oops. So they had a bad time. What that was, was that? A bad time. It reminds me, what was that other con that was like famously a disaster a few years back? Oh, the and dash, the tumb- like dash get, con, yeah. It was like you get extra time in the ball pit was like a, the meme yeah. of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So da- what was that con, about? Was that a brownie yeah. thing? Or? Uh, so that was a Tumblr-based convention, which okay. for anyone who doesn't know, Tumblr is kind of image sharing like mid 2000s kid uh twitter for images it's it's which it's i i prefer to, to refer to tumblr as a disappointing ex-porn site yeah it's it's, it's the site that used to have all the really good porn gifts and now doesn't <laughs> tumblr is the place where it's like what if you wanted a twitter where all you did was retweet memes and porn like that's tumblr yeah. And, and then that... they took the porn off, so now you got to yeah. use Twitter. You got to um, use Twitter to retweet porn, and I when when I want to retweet something, I don't want to use Twitter. Yeah, that's fair. Um, uh, yeah, I I've been I've been indulging a little bit this week in documentaries about terrible events that went wrong. I finally got around to watching the Fire Festival documentaries. Oh, that was Ooh, so yeah, good! Great stuff. Uh, but oh, like did, did, the did first, you watch the Netflix one or the other the one? The Netflix one, but like uh, for the first both half, are worth it. For the first yeah. half, you're like munching your popcorn and like loving it, and then the second half, it gets so fucking dark. Oh, <laughs> you're the, just like, the, oh my I can, god! I can, the, the Netflix one, I can tell you exactly where the turning point in the Netflix Fire Festival documentary is, and it's the point where that businessman tells a very serious story about how he went and had some mouthwash. Totally prepared to go suck the dick of a customs official to get clean drinking water into the camp. Under under like, request yeah. from his boss. Yeah, no, that his boss told him, yeah. you're gay, go suck a custom guy's dick so that people don't die from no water. Like, yeah. that was the turning point where it's like, yeah. funny into, oh my god, sto- this is terrifying. It stopped being funny at that point. And then that yeah. poor woman who didn't get paid... Oh, yeah, oh the, yeah, the woman who Despite owns the, her the restaurant. Re- like, yeah. serving everyone food. Well, the yeah. whole fucking and local area was fucked by that festival. at the end it... in his fucking penthouse apartment. Oh, God, with his new scam, as he's yeah. trying to avoid jail time, like, selling tickets that don't exist while he's out on bail. Like, that was... Yeah. That's the point where I'm, like, all just sympathy goes to is show gone. How... The Hulu documentary is worth following up after yeah. the Netflix one because it delves deeper into that bloke. Yeah. It, also, it really... it's worth looking at because, um... Specifically, there's a company called Fuck Jerry who are in their own <laughs> specific legal problems at the moment for stealing right. a bunch of other people's content. They're but, a bunch of plagiarists. Uh, yeah, no, they're a bunch of plagiarists. They are heavily involved in Fire Festival and they made the documentary for Netflix and they wow. heavily downplay their own involvement in Fire Festival in the Netflix. Yeah, and the Jarul, as did Jarul. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It, there's and he wants to do another of... one now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I would recommend watching both uh, the Hulu one as well, but like it's oh, it's a thing. It really um, shows you. Netflix seems to have this habit of like very good documentaries, but you've always got to just consider they might be a little bit compromised. Oh yeah, no, and I think that's okay. Like because I'm happy to watch a documentary that is very well presented in that Netflix style with that caveat. I think there is room for that. Yeah, uh, and I mean most documentaries, if you dig in, like yeah. They do a lot to, because editing is editing and, and documentaries are made in the edit and you can make yeah. editing say any story you want. Yeah. So everything 
You've always got to be a bit careful, but yeah, the I Netflix, they, I, they've had some high-profile I, I, controversies, yeah. but their documentaries are I, still very entertaining. I, I did watch an interesting one the other day. I think it was called something like uh, the, the Girl Who Was Kidnapped in Plain Sight. Um, oh, Abducted in Plain Sight. Yeah, That yeah. is a fucking jaw-dropper. Oh, that's, I'm that's not a watching weird one. that. Uh, here's what I will say. When you get like nine minutes into that documentary and realise... We know who did it. We know how they did it. We know we know everything about this kidnapping. But there's still an hour and a half to go. Oh my god, where is this going? Like that, that was a I that was a fucking child perv who was running an always sunny style scheme. I, the they brazen the fucking goal of that. It's um, it's oh, unbelievable. I don't know how it's, people watch it. Every those. time you watch it and you it's think it so... it can't get worse, it only ever gets worse. It's can, the levels can... of of thinking thirty moves ahead were terrifying. Can I just say about the fire documentary though? Yeah. It really goes to show, as if we didn't already learn this two years ago, but it really goes to show how you can fool people into doing stuff when you have a good social media presence and a few stupid slogans. Oh god, so yeah. so much of success online is It's in the game. Yeah, no, you just have to confidently like be like, no, I can do it. I can do it. And if you say it with enough confidence, people will believe you and go with it. Yeah. Cause everyone everyone's terrified and this comes up with uh, that FOMO which came up in the Hulu documentary a lot. Um the fear <gasps> of missing out because any shit talker with a smug smirk on their face might make the next twitter you know what yeah. I, so they're scared of not being on that train remember when i was saying i never get fomo and i always get jomo the joy of missing out i got an unbelievable fomo this week i realized i looked up and everyone was tweeting about massive attack and they were playing in dublin and they were playing the entire mezzanine album which is like in my top three albums of all time and i didn't realize the gig was on uh, oh, that man. that is my most FOMO moment ever. <laughs> there is so much going on. Like I I didn't even real I'd heard it was happening, but I didn't realize last night they fucking aired a new Alan Partridge series. Oh yeah. I I immediately went onto the BBC iPlayer, which I shouldn't have access to, but obviously I do, um, and streamed it for, onto the old TV there. This time with Alan Partridge, it was very funny. But yeah, I completely missed out on it until like. I was ready for bed, but I stayed up extra late to, to watch it because it, it got Rach, uploaded um, straight away. Rach watches another show that he's in where he travels around with the other comedian guy. It's quite good. Oh, what's it called? I can't remember the name of it, but you just Google it and you'll find it. I think you'd like it. Oh, does he go with that Rob Brydon? I think that's his name. I'm not keen on the other guy, but he's funny enough. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Oh, and Sophie. Yeah, yeah. Sophie won an Oscar. Sophie from Peep Show won an Oscar. Oh! Yeah. yeah. And what I want to know is where's Superhands' Grammy? That's, <laughs> yeah. that's long overdue. This is bullshit! <laughs> <laughs> no future! Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. And only other thing I wanted to throw out there for this week, just not a bit of news I'm kind of excited for uh, Resident Evil 0, 1, and 4 are coming to Switch. Uh, yeah, I'm that's happy, fun. I'm happy for an excuse to replay, like mainly Resi Four. The, I want an excuse to replay Resi Four, and I'll do that on a handheld probably. Mm. 
is it going to be kind of touched up and remastered like the last we, version on PC? They, they were already or? remastered. Yeah. yeah. So we don't know like all the specifics, but it seems like it's going to be the kind of touched up the, to run on an HD console versions. Like yeah. if if you're getting it and it's the remastered, here's my advice for everyone: turn off the post processing. They put this awful blue filter over us in the remaster, and it ruins the at- the original atmosphere. So turn that off as soon as you get it. Yeah, well, we'll we'll see. I I'm always excited for like those those that that trio of games. It's like yeah, I'll replay all of those probably. Nice. Yeah, I think yeah. that's that's it for this week. Uh, anyone got so. anything else they wanted to throw out? No, no, no. I know we both played a bit of Final Fantasy IX, but uh, um, I'm not going to extend the podcast to talk about Final no, Fantasy IX. And, and Final Far, Fantasy Far, IX con- continues to be like yeah, very that's a good. Fun game. That's and, a very good game. Very good. Far Cry New Dawn is fun, but it's so Far Cry that it's not really. There's not much to say about it, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. It's... Do you know what I love? We spent 15 minutes talking, like podcasting, like it's 1999. And now at the very end, we're trying to rush in the game talk. <laughs> See, I did. I, I, naughty, naughty children. I did try and get us on the games track. Oh, no, you, you have did. no one yeah, to blame you but yourself now. <laughs> I want this podcast like it's 1999. Yeah. When mean... we're done here, I'm going. I've done 99. I've done 2000. I'm popping the UK hits of 2001 on as soon as we're done with this. Nice. Nice. Also, if it was 90, in the 1990s. We wouldn't be talking about Far Cry New Dawn. It wouldn't be out for like 20 years. What? That's true. Whoa. We'd so, be talking about Duck Hunt. Yeah, yeah. I I really hope that new te- TV technology will still let my light gun work in the 2000s. Is that a thing people were worried about in the 90s? I don't oh, know. Oh, they're probably terrified. Stayed up at night, wide-eyed. <laughs> will my light gun work? <laughs> <laughs> Should we wrap up? Let's wrap it up, yeah. Um, Laura, um, now that people are awake at night, terrified about their light gun situation, they might need something to occupy their time. They can find your stuff, but where and how? Mine? What? Laura K. Buzz. Laura K. Buzz everywhere. Twitter, Twitch, YouTube, all those kind of places. Uh, You can find me Monday to Friday, 95 at kotaku.co.uk. That is where I do all my writing stuff. Um... The day uh, we we're recording this early, so like the day after we record this, a Pokemon Nintendo Direct is happening because Nintendo always schedules them the day after we record, even if we record yeah. on the wrong day. So like, check check Kotaku UK out. I'll have probably written an opinions thing about Jet Eight Pokemon. I, I guess thought... that's probably what they're showing. Um, other than that, Dice Funk. It's a D and D podcast. Seasons three, four, and five. Uh. Queer and Pleasant Strangers. That's a podcast where I do silly voices and have a laugh with my fiance. That's probably about it. Nice. Good stuff. And Gavin, Miracle yes. of Sound. Say Music my name, Man. say my name. <laughs> uh, now is the time for us to introduce your music. Yeah. If you liked the singing you heard, go listen to my music uh, on YouTube under Miracle of Sound. And I just put out a new song called Back to the Start, which is a personal song, which is nice to do every now and again. And you can find me on Spotify. You can find me on Twitter at Miracle of Sound. And if you want to support me, you can go to my Patreon, which is also Miracle of Sound. If you want it that way. I'm trying to, I can't. Indeed. I'm like, do you ever have it where you're trying to think of like 
the most obvious things and your brain goes blank. I'm like, what were the 90s All the time. (laughs) My entire job is that. Um, But yeah, it's it's now time to wrap up. In fact, you could say that this is my moment. This is my perfect moment to end the podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for supporting the Jimquisition and Associated Brands. Um, do check out Boston's Favourite Son. Um, it's a podcast uh, hosted by myself, Conrad Zimmerman, and Jonathan Off-Road Rules. Um, it's a continuation of stuff we started many years ago with the Dismal Jesters podcast group. Um, I'm very, pl- very pleased with it. We've got a six-minute episode up right now. We'll have a full, full-on proper episode one very soon. Um, so check out Boston's favourite son on SoundCloud and by this time everything should be populated so it should be on iTunes and all that stuff as well Uh, please do enjoy it Uh, we will see you next week thank you and goodbye bye Bye. the millennium prayer